The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good afternoon and good evening, everyone. Um, my name is Annie Chapetta, and um, I'm coming to you from New Rochelle, New York. Welcome to the 2023 Friends in Art virtual affiliate program presentation, writing fiction for young people with children's book author, Feather Chow. Feather is a single mother living in Texas with her children, two grand puppies and a grand piggy guinea pig. She is, do- to the, she is totally blind due to a battle with retinoblastoma. She loves to teach and she's been writing since the first grade starting out on her grandma's old typewriter. Although her first book wasn't published until the end of 2020, the pandemic forced Feather to slow down from many activities, and she decided to use some of her newly discovered spare time to focus on publishing books that she had written throughout the years. To date, she has published eight books, You can find her books on www.dldbooks.com slash featherchow, and that's spelled dldbooks.com slash featherchow, F-E-A-T-H-E-R-C-H-E-L-L. There are over 20 books I hear um, in various books uh, and various levels of production, so um, I'm sure we'll get more and more books from Feather as we move along in the future. So I'm going to give you a little bit about uh, her latest children's book called People's Safari. Take a journey to spy upon the peculiarities of the world of people through the eyes of animals. With a fresh perspective on human behavior as seen by a deer family and their raccoon guide. This book will get you thinking like an animal scientist and have you laughing as well. Not only are these musings fun, but they just might bring us closer to the natural world and deepen our respect for it, making us better stewards of our environment in the future. All right. Well, welcome, Feather. How are you this evening? I am doing well. How are you? I'm good. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, I guess, like, um, you know, what's going on for you right now um, in the moment? In the moment. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, I was shushing children again. <laughs> so, <sighs> um, so, yeah, um, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for the invite. Um, oh, and um, Shell at the end of Shell, there's an E. I think that oh, that yeah. left off. All right, C H E L L E. Sorry. No worries. A blooper. Um, so it's <laughs> dldbooks.com, Feather Shell, and it's F E A T H E R C H E L L E. Yes, ma'am. Okay, I've corrected myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you're from um, Texas, right? I am, yes. Yeah, Are you, were you born and raised in Texas? Yes, actually, in Northwest Texas. Okay, yeah. Um, I know a lot about you, actually. We're friends. We've been friends since 
we both went to DLD Books and have gotten our books published. We're both what? independent authors. Um, I write poetry and stuff, and you write children's books and some really good, suspenseful, young, <laughs> um, young adult fiction. Um, maybe you should talk about that a little bit. Um, okay. um, Extraordinary Book One. If you could... Um, oh. Yeah, tell a little bit about that book okay. uh, and, and what got you to um, be inspired to to write it. And then maybe we could go into some more questions after that. Of course, that. yes. So the Extraordinary series is actually um, considered nonfiction. Um, it's books that are based on the real lives of middle schoolers with different struggles, different disabilities, different... Um, socio-economic uh, kind of difficulties. Um, so, and I, I kind of was thinking, you know, that I wanted people to get a glimpse into the real lives of kiddos who've gone through it to kind of, you know, garner empathy and uh, help people think about what other people are experiencing a little more. So, um, I decided to do the first book in that series that's called Whispers, and that's actually my own experiences in middle school, school. so it's a bit of a memoir, um, but it's, I think that's the most difficult thing I've ever written, because <laughs> it's really hard to write about yourself, but um, it, I think it's been received pretty well, and um, I'm already interviewing for subsequent books in that series, uh, so I think that it's going to do fairly well. But um, I'm not using real names or, or anything like that. So they're kind of nonfiction, kind of fiction. A lot of people that I'm interviewing don't remember the exact timetable or things like that that were going on. So uh, the stories are, you know, full of actual experiences. They may not be in the right order and they definitely don't have the right names. <laughs> but based on true stories. Thing. Yeah. Based on true stories, and you've taken some some creative license, I guess. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah I know what I know. What that's about. I do that too. Mm -hmm. um, yes. That's just one of those creative tools that uh, authors have in their toolbox. Exactly. Um, and we we put a disclaimer on there too. So you know, um, <laughs> if I misremembered, it's all my fault. That's what right? I say. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Right. So what's or the next one you're working on? <laughs> So Whispers actually, was the first one. Mm -hmm. It's about a visually impaired uh, middle school age girl. What's what's yes. the next one? So the next one is actually called Stairs, like S-T-A-R-E-S. -E um, and it's featuring one of my friends who is albino uh, and the struggles that she went through during middle school. So it's, hmm. I mean, and she also has a visual impairment. Um, so um there's a little bit of that in there, but she's high partial. So that's not really the focus. It's more about, you know, that she looks differently than. Right. Than her appearances and yes. Mm -hmm. hmm. When, when do you think that's going to be out? Oh, I've outlined and <laughs> here's a little secret about me. I can write a picture book in about an hour, even a long picture book. I can write pretty quickly and they just come flowing out really easily I have but it costs a lot of money to get them you know illustrated and <laughs> all of that so I have about 20 
picture books that are already written and ready to go. Just every time my illustrator finishes, I'm like, oh, here's another one. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) But chapter books, I I don't have as much time. And for some reason, they just don't flow as easily for me. So I have to have, you know, the right writing environment, which eh, doesn't always happen when you have six to eight kids a day. (laughs) So, So those come out a lot slower, but I'm hoping in the next few months that the next one will be ready to send to the editor at least. And then that's another waiting game, you know. Oh, yes, yes, it is a waiting <laughs> game. Um, but usually if you have a good editor, it, it's not so belabored. Right. Like they can they can uh, kind of swing through the manuscript and get help you get it ready right. in a couple of months, which is, which is nice. The nice it thing is. about independent publishing, um, there's a lot less delay. Uh, to Definitely. that process. You mentioned your illustrators. Now, in another uh, interview I did with you uh, about a month ago, you mentioned that it could cost up to $1,000 per finished page of yes. illustration. And when I heard that, I was like, what? Yeah. I, and I was just shocked. Uh, you know, how would somebody who is afford an independent that. author, how would you afford that? So could you talk right. about how you work through that? Yeah, definitely. I <laughs> There was a lot of trial and error <laughs> and probably a few tears and, you know, a lot of wasted money gone into this uh, mm-hmm. trial and error process. But uh, so I've, I've done a lot of trying to convince people who are artistically inclined in my own life to try their hand at illustrating. And I've gotten a little bit of success that way, but I kind of put myself on a, out on a limb and I posted in a Facebook group that is for children's book authors and illustrators. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, basically asked if there were any illustrators who might want to work together and um, share profits uh, because, you know, they might have some story ideas or something like that. And, and it's just right. really expensive to get started with that. Well, I had a taker, which I was really excited about. I had a couple of takers actually, but two of them turned out to be scams. <laughs> so, oh no. <laughs> but that happens. Shame on days, them. So you have to watch for that. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, but I did find um, an, a fantastic illustrator in the first project that we did together. He did for, free and we split the profit that one and um and it's amazing his work is really really good and um now he charges i think 75 dollars per page which is amazing it's an amazing deal is this the one that did people safari yes he did people safari and what's his name lullaby book his name is pandu p-a-n-d-u permana which is p-e-r-m-a-n-a and um i told him you know He's going to be in such high demand soon that I won't be able to afford him. <laughs> but he, he told me he would make sure and make time for me <laughs> at our original yeah. rate. So that was really sweet. But uh, yeah, so he does really good work for 75. He's done several of my covers now and um, he's working on, I think, his third full project now. So yeah, it sounds like he really likes to um, to put himself um, to work for your yeah. stories, and that's wonderful. Finding a um, a, re- a relationship like that, you know, um, it's difficult. That's how I kind it of is. feel about my audiobook narrators. 
Uh, oh, yes. It was really difficult to find one that I really liked. And then, um, and now I can't imagine having anybody else read my work. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, um, and so it's like, no, no, you can't go anywhere. You have to read my stuff. <laughs> right. I keep meaning um, to get into that purview, but I'm a little shy. <laughs> I don't know. I wanted to read a bunch of my own, but I just never have enough quiet. So yeah, you, you uh, that's do been need, a problem. <laughs> yeah, you need to lock yourself in a little room with padding all around, and right, and uh, you got to get a and little I'm not, bit studio uh, mic, that kind of stuff. <laughs> I mean, I don't I have a setup and everything, and I just <laughs> still have it. So. Yeah. Um, well, that will happen at some point, <laughs> I'm sure. And then I'll be sad. I'll be like, "Oh, where's all my noise?" <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I disagree with that. I think <laughs> I like the quiet. <laughs> I'm sure I will. Too. All right. So we we talked about Pandu and um mm -hmm. and the process. But what would be your advice to someone just starting out? finding an illustrator. I mean, you talked a little bit about it, you know, indirectly, but directly, what would you say? Oh, um, and, you know, I forgot to mention this part of that Facebook post in that big, it was a huge group with like 80,000 people or something like that. And I really, really angered some people. They were like really upset that, the, you know, that I had mentioned not paying an illustrator and, you know, that I was trying to get slave labor and that kind of thing I was accused of. And I was like, wow, I didn't know it was so touchy, but, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. There are people like that on Facebook. <laughs> I think we've yeah, all um, had some kind of <laughs> experience <laughs> with that kind of stuff. When you're looking, I would say definitely do not pay up front um, mm -hmm. unless you're using, there are some, um, there are some apps now that help protect freelancers and stuff like that. I know Fiverr I've used. Mm -hmm. um, and the sad part about Fiverr, I did hire two or three people through there. Uh, one person sent me someone else's work. And because I'm blind, you know, it took me a while to find someone who could recognize that that was not his own work. So that was disappointing. You have to be careful of that because yeah. copyrights are real. Yes. <laughs> And then um, you do have to be careful because another one, I accidentally mentioned that I was blind and he sent me blank pages, which my, my phone actually figured that one out right away without any help. And it was just his ignorance, you know, but because we were using the Fiverr app, um, I was able to get my money back because Fiverr will take your money up front but they won't release it to your illustrator or whatever contractor that you're hiring until the work has been received satisfactorily. So um, it's safer to go through those kind of apps. Um, yeah. Okay. And especially for freelancing. And there are a number of professional illustrators or illustrating companies out there that I've looked into, but they are way outside my price range. So mm. I mean, if you have money to spend on it, you definitely can, or you have to run the gambit and just find someone that you work well with. And it's okay. it's a trial and error for sure. Sounds like it. And shame on that person for sending you blank pages. <laughs> like, like, what do they think? You didn't have anybody to help you or something? Wow. Oh, it takes all kinds. Well, even um, my really, really good illustrator, I know like I can do this last one that we did. 
um, that this last one that he's working on that I haven't published yet. Um, I showed it to a few people and it's really hard being totally blind and getting people's opinions about pictures in general, but illustrations, you know, that's kind of your baby. That's something that's bringing your story to life and yeah. not other people really don't have your same ideas in their head or t- they don't really know exactly what you're looking for. So it's hard to, it's hard for them to explain things in a way. And uh, for this, this recent book, I had shown it to several different people and they were all kind of like, mm, but they couldn't tell me exactly what was wrong with it. So I ended up having to send it to my editor and she was like, Oh no, this is not, our usual good quality from him or, you know, this is off or this is off. I was like, well, can you put it into words so that I can tell him? And -hmm. thankfully he's amazing. And, you know, he doesn't, he's just like, Oh, okay. And he's switched it all up. It looks fantastic now, but it's hard to get someone who can actually put, put those things into words because the average person is going to look at a picture and be like, eh, that's not very good. <laughs> and you're like, well, what's right. But they're not going to say like, why mm, it's not know. good. Like, <laughs> you know? yeah, I can't even think of why it doesn't look good. And so it's hard to communicate then to the illustrator what exactly they need to change. So I, okay. I would say that although I love writing picture books and I kind of excel at it, it's still, there's a lot of pitfalls <laughs> for a blind person, I would say. Um, and I still, you know, my book was published. People Safari was published before I even knew what a bunch of the, <laughs> my editor described a bunch of the pictures at my last interview. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. Yeah. You, know. <laughs> you, you mentioned that. You're like, oh, is that what that looks like? I was like, wow. <laughs> that is so cool. No. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things with, with life where you just, have to find your right support system, your, your right people that are good to work with you. It's, it's really interesting. While you were talking, I'm thinking like, okay, so, so if, you're, if you're not visually impaired and you're going to write a children's book and have it illustrated, it seems like pretty straightforward, right? Right. <laughs> right. You, but, but, you know, it you seems- take away the ability to visually connect with the story and stuff, you know, through right. your illustrator, you, it seems to me that, you, you know, having really good support network, like either your editor or somebody mm-hmm. who's, uh, is really important. And um, it sounds like you've gotten that. And that's, that's really good uh, advice is to, you know, don't, if you're going to think about doing this, um, right. find out about what kind of support you're going to have ahead of time. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I wrote wow. a, a book for each one yeah. of my kiddos when they were babies and just never published. And even after it became so easy to self-publish, I didn't publish for a long time just because of the illustrations. Cause it's so hard. It's so hard to, to navigate that part of it as a blind person, I think, but, but also it's been really rewarding when you finally do find that team that clicks. Yes. And, uh, and definitely, you know, I'm not opposed to sharing my team they're amazing people. So you can always look up Pandu or contact me if you want his information. And the folks at DLD Books are both amazing as well. So, yeah, yeah, I, that's. Uh, I, I also find that DLD Books is uh, it's just been really they've been um, very um, sensitive 
to right. uh, your needs as a visually impaired writer, and they understand, um, you know, when you ask them to come in and do something, they get it done, but they don't overhelp, which right. is also another thing. They don't, it they is. don't act like, you know, you're, you're the person with, you know, you're, oh, you know, they don't um, overly... Uh, 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 pity you or anything. Right, it's right. Like, There's none of that. They, they're they always treat saying, you like a regular Yeah, like a normal person. A, right. <laughs> just like the and, way we want. Yeah. And their work is just, I mean, it's stellar. Leonora as an editor is amazing. And uh, her husband doing all the technical and the formatting, and he's just amazing as well. And I just discovered him, him as an author, and I read one of his books, and he is an amazing author in his own yes, right. Yes, So that's really neat. Yeah, I, I knew David Dworkin existed before I met them in terms really? of my books because I'm a science fiction buff and oh. I've read some of his stuff. Oh, nice. <laughs> just like, you know, <laughs> you know, just off the cuff, like in, he had How stuff cool done in analog. That? And yeah, so I was like, oh, I think I know him. Anyway, um, <laughs> um, so let's let's uh, let's talk about People Safari. And we know People yeah. Safari is a 57 page illustrated children's book that just came out <laughs> in March. Trait. Oh no, yes, we're both wrong. May. It was, <laughs> <laughs> it was an M May. month. Yeah. yeah, May. Um, and um, and, and it's it's uh uh, the family is a deer family, mm-hmm. and the guide is a raccoon. Now, um, I, I know I asked you this in the other interview, but I, I'm fascinated by your answer, and I want you to try to answer it again. Like, why did you choose the deer and the raccoon? Like, um, out of all the animals you could have <laughs> chosen, why them? They just popped into my head, actually. I don't, I don't, did I say something different at the last No. <laughs> Don't worry about that. I'm like contradicting myself. No, <laughs> no, that um, they just popped into my head, and I had the name for. I thought it would be neat because I named the deer family. I just named them Buck, uh, Doe, and Fawn, which right. you know, scientific terms. But I just right. named them that because I thought it would be kind of neat for you know to maybe subliminally. Yeah. <laughs> kids yeah. now know that the baby's a fawn and dad's a buck and whatever but uh and a guide he's named after one of my good friends who passed away during covid uh due to covid so it was more like an homage to him um and so it was kind of neat and his name is marco right marco yes marco Marco the the raccoon raccoon guide (laughs) and then i sat Mm -hmm. down to think you know what I wanted to write for the next one yeah because <laughs> it's a series and I ended up getting a list of like 25 more books I want to write in that series and I was like oh I'm never going to be able to afford to illustrate all of these <laughs> oh, wow yeah you could uh, go you could go into all kinds of ecosystems and oh my um, gosh yeah pl- places different in the world and so the next one they're going to a grocery store but <laughs> Oh, (laughs) so each one, he's going to be leading a different animal family, too. So it's going to be squirrels at the grocery store in in the next book. I love squirrels, by the way. I think they're cute little readers. They are something else. Yeah, we recently went to the Fort Worth Zoo. I took my youngest kiddo and (laughs) it's a huge zoo. Last time I looked, it's like the third biggest in the country. Huge huge and I was asking her at the end of the day what was your favorite animal and she was like the squirrel that was eating my popcorn <laughs> I was like yeah that makes sense <laughs> oh 
That's very sweet. So let's let's uh, talk about your uh, experiences with homeschooling and um, the education uh, process and like how do you see your books fitting into all of that? Well, um, I've been homeschooling, let's see, 15, maybe 14 or 15 years, something like that. Um, my son was in kindergarten, one of those kind of situations where the teacher was not comfortable with my blindness and she just wouldn't communicate with me at all. We ended up having to get administrators involved in all of that. It was just really uncomfortable. And I had been going to the University of Texas for my teaching degree, and I knew a, a number of my friends were homeschooling, and I ended up having to drop uh, at UT before that due to uh, medical reasons, and instead of going back, I just decided to homeschool my kiddos, and uh, we've lived all over and, you know, been part of a lot of really neat homeschool communities. Uh, before we left Austin, I was kind of like an activities director for a huge unschooling group. Uh, unschooling is a form of homeschooling that's based on kind of like child-led learning where you learn. It's not, they call it unschooling because it doesn't follow the traditional format of schooling. It's more like you use life experiences to school and uh, learn about things that capture your kid's interest and kind of like nurture their own curiosity kind of. And um and so I ended up doing a, a blend of that kind and traditional homeschooling. But uh, I organized a lot of events for this huge homeschool group or unschool group before we left Austin. And that was really amazing. Um, we've, we've learned a lot and met a lot of really, really neat people over the years. And I love homeschooling because it's, um, I think it prepares your kiddos for real life a little better than traditional school. Now there are some amazing traditional schools out there. And my two youngest kids actually decided to try public school this year. And so they started in January and they've, they've had mixed experiences. My youngest one was bullied uh, and uh, had some, some hardships there, but my older one, he he just really excelled and, you know, really enjoyed it. And then my, my next one is 14 and decided not to try that at all. So still homeschooling okay. that kiddo. And we, we just try a little bit of everything and, and see what works. And, you know, everything's so different for each kiddo. Each kiddo so specifically or, you know, has specific needs and wants and interest that you know it's very tailored to each one of their specific needs so talk a little bit about your um didn't you you have the like a workbook or an instruction book i can't remember i didn't oh yeah the activity book yes. for ability awareness yes, yes yes that's yeah it's the colors of darkness activity book um, and I give this one for free, uh, a free printable copy of this one to anyone who joins my email list. Um, so you can always email me at feather.shell.author at gmail.com. And the shell is spelled C-H-E-L-L-E. And it's just like a bird. Um, and I'll send you a free copy of that and add you to my monthly newsletter. Um, and 
it's basically you can print it out. You can also buy it on Amazon, uh, but it's activities and poems to promote ability awareness. And because I have the most experience with visual impairments, it is a little heavy on that particular disability, but I do try to cover all different ones and, you know, try to talk about things that make us different and how differences kind of help us shine instead of, you know, setting us apart from the crowd. I put a positive light on that instead of uh, the negative light and, you know, talk about how all those differences make us so interesting and, you know, how boring it would be if we were all exactly the same, that kind of thing. Um, so there are some activities in that and poems. The poems are like about your other senses. So I don't think anything visual in the poems and it'll be about, um, I think one's about popcorn, one's about a baby, just different things that I enjoy, chocolate, things like that. <laughs> and talk about all the other aspects other than, you know, visual aspects of those things, just to kind of open uh, their minds up to think about all of all of their the sense of taste and smell mm -hmm. and touch mm -hmm. and all that. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. Yeah. yeah, I know there's been a big push for disability and ability awareness programs mm -hmm. um, all over the country um, for kindergarten, first and second graders. Right. I, yeah, I've done quite a few of those over the years, and I just think it's a, such an enriching experience for for these young kids to, to be able to, uh, to just ask questions right. and ask what, and, and ask what is, what is it like to be blind? Right. You know, I mean, I bet you, you know, maybe they never really got the, uh, yeah. the permission to right. ask a question like right. that. And, uh, you know, asking is okay. And a lot of um, times they don't even see things or if they see and notice something and try to ask questions, adults kind of shush them, you know, they're like, no, shh. It's impolite and don't, right. yeah. mm -hmm. and, <laughs> and what yeah, about that? My, <laughs> right. I went to my daughter's school uh, to do an ability awareness activity and I thought it was going to be her, just her class, her second grade class. And it was uh, the teacher, you know, emailed me the night before and said, I, I think we'll have one more class join us. And I had brailed out all these things i have the little alphabet bookmarks that are braille that i buy for yeah, APH yeah, mm -hmm. and take those and then i brailled them out little riddles and things oh. like that on index cards so yeah. i stayed up really late and made a whole bunch of extra ones <laughs> <laughs> and then got there the next day and there were either three or four classes in there and i was like ooh, <laughs> that's a lot of kids that's like 60 kids oh yeah that wow. threw me off a little and i was trying to <laughs> But the, the kids in the back couldn't hear me very well. And so it was, it was just a whole thing. But it, and I found it kind of sad because uh, most of the kids were very engaged, especially the ones near the front that could hear me. And I took yeah. a lot of gadgets for them to pass around and different, you know, Braille magazines and Braille books and Braille calendar, different things that they could recognize that look interesting to them. And um, yeah. so... <laughs> <What the hell? laughs> They were mostly really amazing, really sweet, and had a lot of great questions. And then that afternoon when my daughter came home, she was upset. And I was like, what's the matter? And one of the boys was teasing her, I guess, because her mom was blind and like all that. And I was like, oh, wow, you're going to bully somebody about their mom. That's, <laughs> that's yeah. crazy. And yeah. you think you're like, second grade? Really? That's so young. But, you know. It it's happens. Just ignorance. Sadly, they don't yep. know. No, 
they don't know. And that's why, you know, people should go into, you know, uh, right. You know, we have disability awareness presentations and, right. you know, I think uh, that's why they're so important. Expose them to those things. Yeah. So the bullying doesn't, um, doesn't get so bad. And I've had a, a good experience with the Girl Scouts, actually. They use that book quite a bit. A lot of Girl Scout Do leaders. They? Yeah. I've, oh, that's excellent. I was a Girl Scout leader also. So uh, I had some connections there and I just give it for free for anybody who wants to use it. Because, you know, that one, it's just so important that people spread that awareness and, you know. Yeah. So I, I have one more question and then we can open it up. So do you re- read your own books to your kids? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me that one. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I hate reading my own books. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm just very self-conscious, I think. And anytime mm-hmm. that I read my own work, it's terrible. Uh, and I had to actually stop doing this. A couple of my author friends I was talking to about this, they'll edit and edit and edit and edit their own work. And I'm like, I can't go down that. I'll write something and then I'll edit it twice as my limit. I'll only allow myself to edit it twice. And then I send it off to an editor because otherwise I'll just nitpick, nitpick, you know, the whole time, just keep keep changing things. And uh, so when I read my work aloud to other people, I do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I do the same thing where I'm like, no, why did I put this? I should have put that. And then, that's, yeah, it's a whole rabbit hole. I can't do. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do that too. Um, you know, I'll, I'll read something and I'll, well, actually, you know, it's funny. So, so I have all my books up on Bard, right? Oh, I still and, need to know, do that. And, and, and Audible. <laughs> and so I go back and I, and I, I go, I call it ego scanning. I'll, if I, <laughs> if I'm feeling really, just, you know, uninspired or whatever, I'll pick one of my books and I'll play it and I'll listen to it. And uh, that helps me get more invested in my work again. And I don't know why it works, but it does. A lot of musicians Um, do that that as well. (laughs) I don't know. I feel very self-conscious about it sometimes because, you know, I'm like, I'm listening to myself. (laughs) But it it helps. It really does help me kind of focus and get back to to what I want to do. Um, and it's no, I just better. dread it. Anytime that I have to read it, I dread it so much. And then when I actually read it, I come away thinking, oh, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. <laughs> but, but while I'm reading it, I'm just like, oh, change this, change this, change this. Uh, it's it's my own psyche that's messed yeah, up. Yeah, imposter syndrome, they call, you know. It's yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, kind of gets in the way. Even though we, 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 you know, intellectually, we tell ourselves that's just, you know, that's just crapola or whatever right um you know i i'm a published author what what do i need to feel that way for but it, it creeps in sometimes um oh, I, yeah. i've read several published authors that i thought really how are they mainstream published <laughs> you know, like, uh, yeah i you know that second guessing perfectionism it can get in the way i think we all have to that's part of the you know the learning the craft and learning the pitfalls right. and learning the advantages uh you know of being an author you, you know you just have to experience it you can't just would, you know read the yeah, instruction exactly. book and go on with it it's my yeah. first book that i published i was i was at first i was a little shocked and embarrassed because my grandma she read it and she came over with her little highlighter and she was like there's three errors there's one on this page and there's one on this page and then right here and i was like 
oh no. And I was kind of freaking out. And she, I was like, three of them. And she was like, are you kidding? She was like, I, I read all the time and I see mistakes in every traditional published book, every single one. And I was like, really? <laughs> and I guess I've been listening <laughs> to audiobooks so long, I don't even notice. Sometimes there'll be an error in the audiobook that you can notice, but not very often. Um, so I was enheartened to, you know, to hear that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, it's, it's, <laughs> like, is, is that a compliment or? Right, right. Exactly. Failed compliment. Yeah. So what about um, uh, getting your books, you know, brailled? Um, I know there are different programs um, yes. like I National Braille Press and stuff that. like that. You, do you see a possibility of that happening? I would love for that to happen. Um, it's just, I, I did send the first book to, what is the name of that? Um, it's like the Beulah Legacy. Um, they braille some children's books uh, to donate, and it's in memory of Beulah. I can't remember. Anyhow, um, I don't think she was able to braille that one. Um, but I haven't really pursued it other than that. And I really, really need to do that. I was planning to do my own audio and I finally got all the equipment. Um, and I'm hoping I'll be able to, to at least record the picture books soon. Um, mm. uh, that way I can put them on audible. I do have a team lined up for, you know, editing those and doing all of that, but, but right. Braille, I'm very interested, but I haven't, I haven't pursued that yet. Well, there might be some there might be some people that want to um uh when we get to the hand raising portion they might know more about that might be Maybe able to so. help you out. Um if not we can work on that offline together. Awesome. Um so I guess the last thing we'll do before we open it up is talk about your beta readers. What are beta readers oh, and how important they are readers. to you? That's a good one. So beta readers are people that you send mm, it's not necessarily your polished manuscript but it's a fairly polished manuscript that you'll send to these beta readers um, and they'll basically read your work and tell you what they think of your story in general. They're not there to proofread or edit or any of that kind of thing. Although some of them do find things and mention it and that's always helpful. Um, <laughs> but they're basically going to tell you, this is a great story. This is not such a great story. Why didn't you make this happen? Or, you know, Oh, this is really neat when this happened, that kind of thing, like a sounding board, I would say. Um, and it's good to have, a decent team of beta readers. Um, but I have probably, and every time that I have a polished manuscript to send out, I'll sit there and send out over a hundred emails, I would say just to wow. different people that, and I probably get feedback from five of them. <laughs> so, and it's a different five every time I would say. So, Oh, I haven't, I haven't narrowed it down to, you know, which five to, you know, reduce like the my people that load, will but... do the children's book, right. the people that will do the, like the, well, and I the do, whispers I do have that or organized. Um, like I have it organized by type of book. Cause I write from my next book. That's going to be published is for tiny babies and uh, yeah, all the way yeah. up until my young adult kind of work. And I even have published books for moms and dads that are, um, so I guess the whole gambit, but it's, I don't know. It's hard to find 
because it takes time, you know, to sit down and read a book. And there aren't very many people who read these days anyway, or who have time for reading. And so it's, it's hard to, you know, nail down people who were willing to do that for you. But there are services, of course, where you can hire, hire that done. And that's probably a better way to go anyway, just because it's more objective. If you mm. hire strangers and people who are used to the literary world, um, but it's an expense that I haven't been able to budget in yet. So, yeah, I agree with you. I haven't been able to budget that in either. And I rely on uh, just, you know, uh, a crowdsourcing. That's right. what I do, you know, and that seems to have uh, um, helped me a lot. Uh, yeah. I don't get many beta readers. I would like to get more. Um, right. And I'd really like to see my um, special thanks page on my books to be full me of beta too. readers names awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but you know it, it i usually i get a core group of about between eight and 12 people and that seems Can to I really join your team of course i i'm your beta <laughs> reader so you'll be mine way. too <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> <laughs> and it really helps because each it person does. brings a different perspective to the story yes. Someone might zero in on the plot. Another person mm-hmm. might zero in on the characters and mm-hmm. what they're thinking. Another person, um, you know, I had one person say, well, you have two chapters that are the same number. I'm like, oops. Oops, um, yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, for, for what it's worth, I mean, I didn't notice that. And I've been working on the manuscript for a year. So, for, right, for them right. to say that, well, I was like, oh, thank you. There's plenty of things that slip yeah. through the cracks that you wouldn't yes. think. But it's hard, yeah. you know, to look at everything at once, especially with your own work. So, beta and, readers uh, are are really, really important. Yeah. And, um mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, when I have beta readers, I keep them on a list. And then when I get my mm-hmm. book published, I let them decide what copy kind of copy they want, whether they want a print oh. book or an ebook, or um, eventually when it gets on Audible, I can send them a gift, um, a gift oh. copy on Audible. So I let them choose which one they want. Um, and, That's a um, really good idea. Yeah. And I think, I think that it, it helps them appreciate, you know, when the book wouldn't be the, the book it is without the beta readers. I'm making first. a note of that now. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> I need to do that. Okay. And it also might entice more of them to actually, you know, read the reviewers, yeah. give you feedback. Or All like right. write a review and give you feedback. So are you ready for questions? I am ready. All right, yes. Andrea, we are ready for raised hands. Do we have any raised hands? Deborah, go ahead. Oh, my gosh. So, Feather, I am so happy to meet you. I have been seeing your name all around the block and have ignored it (laughs) until now. And I'm glad I came in. I came in late. But let me just say that um, we have so much to share. Uh, I... I have children who are probably older than you are now, but I built a very long and very successful writing career that started by writing about my children. Um, And I'm sorry that you had to go the homeschooling route. What I went was the route of beating up the whole teaching profession and moving (laughs) schools and moving across town and writing a lot of articles about it in local papers to get what I needed for my kids. How brave of you. uh, (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and, and in, in, I'm from Cincinnati and, and we, um, a, a, a fellow, uh, advocate who's not blind, but who had children who were disabled started a program called everybody counts 
And it was probably the first program nationally to introduce disabilities to children. And it was just oh, wow. perfectly timed for me. But um, so we have, I just have so much I want to share with you because I, in the early days, I wrote articles for Women's Day and parenting and family uh, marriage and family, a lot of magazines I wrote, I wow. sold articles about what it was like to be a blind parent and why kids were so cool. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, I'm going to have uh, to look up your work. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I hope you will. But, but I am looking forward to your work. Um, I when my kids were small, I didn't, I, you know, people used to say to me, well, what about writing about for children and I wrote one story called Mouse's Kittens and I just was laughing out loud when when Annie asked you do you read your books to your kids because I thought <laughs> yeah I wrote Mouse's Kittens and I wrote it uh, based on an experience that my children had but I don't think they ever heard it. I, <laughs> I sent it to Highlights, and Highlights rejected it. And oh. I don't take rejection well, so I'm I stuffed it away. <laughs> I don't do rejection well. Yeah, people anyway. always ask me why I don't do traditional publishing, and I'm like, I'm not great with rejection. <laughs> oh, because it's if if yeah, it's really hard. You have to like it is. anyway. It can destroy so, yourself. Um, <laughs> but I, I want to say that the name of the company you were trying to think of was probably Seedlings. Remember, I'm a oh. whole lot older than you are. It, yes, so Deborah. I remember so when was, Seedlings was, was born. Seedlings, but it was um, it was a specific person that I have. Uh, April. Yeah, Deborah Bondi, who uh, is a wonderful human being who started yeah. Seedlings because. She had sighted children who loved books, and she wanted to share that love with blind children. Oh, and she lost a child. Her, her daughter was killed in an auto accident as oh. a teenager, and she continued to promote the work and, and to do it in, the, in honor of her child. Yes, yes. It had to have been. But yeah. National Braille Press, mm -hmm. now again, to show, and Annie's probably like rolling her eyes, but to show again how old I am. When my children were young, there weren't any books available in print and Braille, so I had to make my own. I made a whole bunch of my own too, which is <laughs> yeah, yeah. totally cool. So, cool. Um, but I, I think I for National Braille Press, and I would be happy to connect you to see if they could maybe look at doing your books in Braille because oh, blind children need to read yeah. books that they were do. written by blind authors. They yeah. do. Deborah, I'm so glad anyway. you came on. I'm glad you were Thank here. You I was, so that's much. who I was thinking about when I said, well, oh. maybe there's somebody in the audience that will help you. And I hope, oh, I hope they are. <laughs> well, I'm so you. glad I came here because I left another session because I – uh, oh, yeah, I'm so glad yeah. I came here. Oh, so, Annie, so I'll be touching base yeah. with you later because I want to connect okay. with Feather directly. No yes, problem. I can't wait to hear Thank from you. you for doing thank this. You. It's great. Thanks, Deborah. Well, thank you. Okay. We will, um, I guess we'll continue with some other questions. Is there anything that you would like to share that I've forgotten about um, or that I didn't touch base on? I didn't really prepare much because I, I have too much faith in you, Annie. So, I, 
but I'm trying to think of things that um, would be of interest to people who are thinking about publishing with visual impairments. Um, and you're great for this as well. So I'm glad oh. that you're with me. But yeah. um, I w- oh, let's talk about marketing. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, marketing so is- the bane of, of my universe. Uh, yes. Uh, marketing every- is... And I would say every self-published author, but I have, you know, I started a group of authors and quite a few of them are traditionally published, although not with the big five, um, most of them. And the big five are the big publishing companies like Scholastic and um, HarperCollins, those big giant yeah. giants um, that everybody hopes to get signed with. Um even people who are published with smaller presses or, you know, things like that, they have to do a lot of their own marketing. So it's something that, you know, most authors are going to struggle with or have to wear a marketing hat at some point. <laughs> Working Heather, your- I'm going to interrupt you for just one yes. second. We do have a raised hand. Eric, code 619, you should be able to unmute, please. Thanks, Andrea. Yes. Hi, this is Jenny. Can you hear me? Yes, yes ma'am. Okay. Uh, um, thank you for sharing all that amazing stuff. I was curious to know, well, two things really. You can take either an order or one or neither. Um, basically, with your craft, how what influenced you in your writing style? And then finally, I don't imagine you have much time for reading, but I wonder what some of your favorite author, authors are for children or adults. Okay, that, so that, I... I'm an avid reader. I love, love, love reading. And where most people walk around with one headphone in listening to music while they do housework and stuff, I always have a book playing. So if I'm washing dishes, doing laundry, uh, you know, anything at all, cooking, I'm listening to books. And I love, I love every genre. If there's a good story or it's good writing or, you know, I can read anything, but I Let's see, favorite author. That one's always so hard. <laughs> I know, I hate that one. But I have several me. favorite independent authors now because, you know, something that you don't think about whenever you're reading is you have so many of these books on Bard and stuff like that to choose from. And my list there is so long that it's hard to even think about putting others in. But if you read on Kindle or Apple Books or any of those ebook readers, there is just a world of amazing talented independent authors out there so Mm -hmm. um any of those I can always give recommendations for Uh, I love Jonathan Mayberry I love uh Larry McMurtry Mm -hmm. uh let's see so many so so many good ones what do you so what was the book that you listened to most recently Uh, right now I'm actually I'm writing a book about lions. So, and I do that too, where I go down these rabbit holes and I'll be writing a book about a certain topic and I'll just read, 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 read everything that has to do with lions. <laughs> right now it's lions, but okay. uh, whatever that topic is. Um, and so I'm reading, if you ever saw the movie Ghost in the Darkness, I'm reading the actual oh, book that yes. was written in 1907 by uh, John Patterson, who uh, was the colonel in charge of, hunting those lions, those man-eating lions. And so I'm not even supposed to be reading about man-eaters, but I've always wanted to read that book and I found they had it on Bard. So that's 
That's what I'm reading now. It's a very good movie. It's creepy and suspenseful. Yeah. Um, Great movie. And the true story of it is even scarier than the movie, I would say. Yes. But, um, and your other question, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're a very self-directed writer. (laughs) Did you kind of teach yourself or did you have some influential people? Yeah, definitely. Or or did you just learn from reading? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So, yeah, I started... You know, computers were not that big whenever I was growing up. Uh, so I started out writing on my grandma's old typewriter, I think Annie mentioned. And it's, to me, it was a way for sighted people to read what I was writing. Because I wrote on my Braille writer forever before that. And mm-hmm. I don't like reading my stuff out loud. I didn't even back then. <laughs> so, so whenever I was able to start typing it out, I was like, ooh, okay, this is way better. <laughs> well, thank so, you for sharing all that. No, that the richness you. of your life is amazing. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. So, Feather, going going on, um, back, uh, piggybacking on Jeannie's questions. Yeah. Uh, so, who who was like your first reader? Like, who did you share your stuff with first? Oh. Once you got to the typewriter, who'd you give it to? All of my family, all the time. I would just write poems for them, or little stories, or things, and I would always give it to specific people like look I wrote you a poem or I wrote you a story (laughs) or you know uh, that kind of thing and so when I was in I think I was in third grade I had a VI teacher um, who was really supportive of my writing and at that time he helped me make my own books of my poetry and sell them like he helped me sell them that's just sold them to teachers and family members and stuff like that. But it was, it was a really neat project to do with him. He had them all printed up for me at a print shop. And that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I like help you with your, you know, your self-esteem and right, exactly. that you can you be creative and <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's some amazing teachers out there who are good at sparking whatever that interest is to life. Yeah. Yeah, I had my teacher, my seventh grade teacher, uh, got me to go up on stage and and um, play in a Shakespeare play. I never thought I would ever do that. Oh. <laughs> she convinced everybody. It's, oh. it's really, it'll be really good for you. <laughs> Ten years from now, you'll thank me. And yeah, um, I'll, yeah. Well, you're a fantastic public speaker, so I, <laughs> you can't believe, like, whenever you hear me say this, you can't believe, like, I hate speaking in front of people, or not hate, I just get really, really nervous about speaking in front of people, and have since in high school, I was in several plays in high school, and different uh, public speaking kind of things, and before every single one of them, I was a mess, <laughs> so that just never wore off for me. Do you get nervous, Annie? It I do. Like you do I get, yeah, I do. I get nervous. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. When we were in, when we were in Rochester, New York for the, um, for national, Mm -hmm. I did the friends in art showcase with Mike Byington. And, um, I think I had to go to the bathroom five times. Oh, that happens to me every time before I have that nervous. (laughs) My husband's like, again. Again, yeah. And when I was in cheerleading in high school, it was, it was the worst because I would just want to stand there like crossing my legs. And I'm like, (laughs) It's, yeah, so I, I do. But once once I get started, it all goes away. 
like, Aww. you know, once, once I step up to the mic and I, you know, I get myself oriented on what I'm going to do, uh, it, it just goes away. Uh, well, you're so. just unflappable. <laughs> oh, geez, I love no. it because you can, you can like make an error or something. And you just keep going right along. And I'm like, oh my gosh, every time I make an error, I stop and I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Practice. Awkward and practice, weird. Practice, practice. So what are your um, what are your top tips for marketing? I know, uh, Feather, uh, you have something like 61 reviews on Amazon for one of your books and 58 for another one of your books. And that is remarkable to me because I have like 10. So, oh, um, I didn't realize what? that you had. Uh, I actually wrote an article about uh, garnering reviews. Um and I can send that to anyone who's interested. And I'm always really, really happy to help other authors. So it doesn't matter. Uh, you can always email me and I'll try to give you advice. Now, I'm not very good at marketing. <laughs> I haven't uh, found my stride in marketing, but in reviews, I've done pretty well. I think I have the book that has the most reviews is called Invisible Me, and it's a picture book about my daughter's journey uh, battling cancer, which was retinoblastoma. And, um, but it's told from her older brother's perspective. Uh, and my goal with that one was to try and give siblings of kids with terminal illnesses a voice. And, you know, kind of, I think they get not forgotten about, but they kind of move to the sidelines whenever you're focused on a sick child and um, they they can feel really left out and stuff. And so I wanted to bring attention to that. And uh, that one has 135 reviews, I think. Um, and my first published book is 116, I think. But some, something like that. But it's it's a lot of little little things. There are companies, of course, that you can hire, which is why those big published books, those Daniel Steele's and uh, Stephen King's, those have thousands upon yes. thousands of reviews, but I can guarantee you that most of those are paid for. Yeah, um, like advanced review copies and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I go over a lot of that uh, in the article that I wrote, but, but there are ways to incentivize people to review for you. You're not uh, Amazon does not allow you to use paid reviews, they say, um, but or or to swap reviews with other authors. They're hard yeah, on that. Yeah, yep. So they make it a little bit difficult for independently published authors. But I do have some tricks if anyone wants to mm -hmm. to read that article. You were you were just saying about you know how you can pay for reviews. Um, mm -hmm. I know about a couple of them myself. They're quite expensive. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I really want to try one, right. but I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that, uh, I don't trust them. Like they're right. going to give me a horrible review and right. make me sound like I don't know what I'm doing. And then I paid, you know, $300 for crap and, you know, yeah. and then <laughs> well, a good I, way to do this too is, um, you can actually have your work read by one of the publishers weekly review staff um for fairly cheap i think it's if you they have an annual fiction writing and nonfiction writing competition through book life 
um, which is the yes. self-published portion of, of Publishers Weekly, basically. And that's a very prestigious uh, review that carries a lot of weight. And those are called, the ones that are written by professionals like that, those are called editorial reviews. Um, mm-hmm. And they're not necessary, but they do add a lot of credibility Left. to you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, okay, I'm um, going to stop you for just a second. Mm-hmm. Alice Massa is, should be oh, unmuted. Hi. Alice, go ahead. Hi, Alice. Hi, Annie, and hi, Feather, and I want to say that I just really do so enjoy your book, People Safari, and my great nephew also likes it very much. Oh, good. (laughs) Thank you. I love hearing from kiddos what they think. That's my favorite. (laughs) There's just so many delightful moments in People Safari that I really hope uh, people check that book out because it's just so wonderful for children and adults can thoroughly enjoy it also. But my question for you is, I know one of your other books that you've not yet talked about has something with the word lullaby in it. Oh, oh yes. To mention <laughs> the other books that are sure. published that you've not yet mentioned and just give us a little snapshot of each one of them, please. Thank oh. you. Thank you. Thank you, Alice. That's a good idea. Um, yeah, the one that Alice is referring to is called Mommy, Sing Me a Lullaby. And I misspelled it in the title, which a lot of people take offense to. But <laughs> my son, my first son, whenever he was little bitty, I used to sing him to sleep every night. And he would always, when he was sleepy, he would come and, you know, pull on my shirt or whatever, try to get up. And he would say, Mommy, sing me lullaby. but he he would pronounce it lullaby so that's why i wrote i wrote that book for him and it's just a good night rhyming picture book um and it's talking about different career paths that that kiddos can choose and so basically it's it's got a page for all different kinds of careers and i included you know waitress or waiter all the way up to like pilot uh I put put a judge, all different kinds of things. And it's basically about uh, dreaming big and reaching for the stars uh, to become whatever it is that you want to be. But I wanted uh, the illustrations in that book. That's actually the first one that Pandu uh, worked on for free. And um, we have different ethnicities and different ages of kiddos in every picture. So every picture is going to be a different child dreaming of something in their bed and they're dressed as whatever that profession is. So they're kind of neat, neat pictures that go with that one. Um, my first published book was a, it's a series called the Cetacea Chronicles and cetaceans are whales and dolphins. It's a scientific name for them. And um, it's basically immortal children who ride dolphins and go rescue animals all around. Um, and uh, those uh, immortal children are named after my kiddos. So that's kind of interesting. And um, which other books did we not mention? Let's see. I think I briefly mentioned uh, Ode to Mom and Ode to Dad. I wrote those for kids to give to parents for like Mother's Day, Father's Day, birthdays, Christmas, that kind of thing, holidays. And it's poems celebrating um, moms or dads depending on the book. And then it has like recipes as well as like fun project ideas that kids can do with, with that parent. Um, It's just meant to be a gift. And in the back, it has little sheets that the kids can fill out and say, you know, their name, their age, what they like 
best about mom or dad and like just some little question prompts that they can answer to kind of personalize it. So what, what else besides O to mom, O to dad? Those are very sweet, by the way. Great ideas. Thank um, you. Um, yeah. Let's see. I have eight. So let me see. We did people so far. Colors of darkness. Those O to dad, O to mom. Uh, whispers. Stranded is the name of the first one in the Cetacea Chronicles. Um, and then we have the Lullaby book. And I feel like I'm missing And how one. many in the Cetacean Chronicles? Two? I've written two. The second one is in line to be edited and formatted. Um, and those are really neat about the whales and dolphins because I Is that the of, one with the baby whale and his mom? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I got to be to read that. That's adorable. Yeah, I'm a beta reader. No, oh, that one was very so much suspenseful. fun. I have um, marine biologists that I've partnered with that fact check my work. And uh, that has just been... It, amazingly rewarding i just love having those connections and uh getting their feedback so that that one's my favorite series that's my my love child i would say (laughs) (laughs) Um, i do feel like i'm forgetting one but later i'm gonna go oh no i never meant to talk about that one (laughs) oh it was i did i did mention them all because invisible me was the other one i think i don't uh, talk about that one as much because it's a very niche audience, um, but it has been well received with uh, families dealing with that kind of trauma. Yeah, I when I was a family therapist, I would have loved to have have had that book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I donate proceeds from for the Cetacea Chronicles. I donate ten percent of the proceeds to um, a marine mammal research uh, nonprofit, and then for invisible me and i actually have another one that's coming out uh that's a basically a bedtime story or a lullaby to uh, read to kiddos who have cancer or other terminal illnesses Uh, i wrote it for my daughter when she was going through that um and i'll donate portions of those proceeds to different cancer research organizations and invisible me 30 percent of those proceeds go to six different organizations wow that's great that you um you give back to the community like that. Well, I don't know how much I give back yet, but hopefully someday. <laughs> they don't make much proceeds quite yet, but they will, I think. Yeah. Eventually. I think so. That's the goal. For sure. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Did you have any marketing tips or questions that um with the last of our time or yeah, I just, I just, uh, I think that, um, you know, I've, I've tried to get a marketing plan going and, um, you know, had different kinds of six different, different levels of success. Mm-hmm. I know that the pandemic really put, um, put me at a disadvantage mm-hmm. in my local, I, I, you know, I sell most of my books uh, from, going out and making presentations. And then I put books yeah. out on the table and right. people buy them. And, you know, I come out, I come, you know, I, I, I can, the luggage is a lot lighter after. Right, right. <laughs> what am I, you know, so, and um, I've, you know, leave books and my postcards in hotels, um, oh. dentist offices. Um, you know, I try to gift out my book, you know, to people that I think, you know, might be able to, um, to help, 
you know, share, share it mm-hmm. with other people. So, I mean, but I, that's all done at a, at like at a local, a local you know, micro level. And, um, I, you know, I've thought about hiring a marketing company, um, mm-hmm. to try to help me out. Um, but like I said, I've just never felt comfortable. I've done some blog tours and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, oh, there's a really good blog tour company. I should, or not a blog tour. It's more like a book tour company. Um, yeah, I it's think called with Itsy my... Bitsy Book Bits. So that, that's a fantastic <laughs> one. People can look at. Uh, I think my I next... got 45 reviews for People Safari just from running that tour. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I have I have a novel that probably be out next year, and I think I'm going to be really <laughs> so aggressive about it. Like, yeah, I'm going to try to get it marketed mm-hmm. out and, you know, get something, um, you know, Publishers Weekly and that, all that stuff. Uh, I think so I'm just going to – I'm going to up the game. Um and I'm going to see what happens because... And I did form that author group. So anyone who's interested in becoming an author or doing any of that kind of stuff, uh, you can reach out. And Annie is also part of that group. And we are going to be doing some research. I've been doing a lot of research, but we're going to collaborate and come up with some neat ideas for supporting one another. And it's called the Author Dream Team. So uh, hopefully, I think you know, the reason that the big publishers are so successful is because not because, well, they do corner the market, but it's also because they have so many talented professionals in their corner and all that teamwork makes it a huge difference. So I think yeah. that doing that, you know, on a smaller scale will get us a little bit better marketing going. Yeah. It's networking and um, exactly. You know, and it's all in in the in the ratio. You know, if you put something out to a hundred thousand p- people, um, at least some of them are going to buy the book, right? Guys, right. You one, guys you have one minute. Oh, we have okay. one minute. Yes. All right. So, Feather, um, thank you so much for joining us, Thanks and so thank you everybody for for coming in and listening to um, the children's uh, book workshop with Feather for friends and art, and um, and that's it. Thank you, and have Thanks. a good evening.